Welcome to Leading a Corporate Venture, What Business School Won't Tell You. My name is Jeremy, and I'll be your host through this series of podcasts looking at leadership and how it affects our world of today, as well as the future challenges of tomorrow. As a senior venture architect at Rainmaking, and having founded a couple of startups myself, I'm constantly fascinated by how the lines between the startup and corporate world are blurring. Through these conversations, I'm looking to explore the trends of today that will soon become the defining history-making milestones of tomorrow. How will brilliant leaders continue to build up? In this series, I'll get my questions answered by people who are leading change and shaping our shared future. In this episode, we're talking about a key tenant in today's leadership, authenticity. I'm curious to find out more about the relationship between business leaders, their teams, their ventures, and their boards, and how it's changing, especially over the last two years. I'm here with Mike Sutton, co-founder of energy solutions provider Alumo. Thanks for coming today, Mike. Thanks, Jeremy. It's great to be here. Your background, I think, is a fantastic one, you know, from some heavy involvement in sports, one as a co-owner of a professional basketball team in New Zealand. I know you're also deeply involved with soccer in your local community, and then also a serial entrepreneur who's in the midst of ramping up a new venture as we speak. So I'm really excited about the conversation today and everything that I think you'll be able to bring to it with quite a unique perspective. Before we really dive in deep, though, I wanted to kind of get your feeling of how how you perceive your leadership style. I really don't know what my leadership style is. You may have to ask other people what their views are of, of my style. But I think I know some of the values that I have and some of the ways that I, I try to always treat people. And I suppose that might best describe it. But for me, um, I was lucky enough to be brought up by parents that taught me a lot of empathy. Um, and so... You know, I, I guess that one of my strong suits is always being able to see, well, often being able to see the other person's side of the story and, and where they're coming from and, and what they need from the situation or the challenge or, um, um, you know, or how they need to celebrate or win or, any, or the excitement of something positive. Um, so I think from a leadership style, it's, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm probably the first to, to provide cover for those that I'm supporting. I don't mind taking the, the hits head on as long as everyone else is safe. Um, and then, you know, working through the challenges together rather than pretending that I'm the smartest person in the room, because if that's the case, I'm in the wrong room. I like that point about keeping, you know, the people that you're working with um, safe or that are, are working for you and keeping them safe. I do see a little bit of a double-edged sword in that. Um, when we talk about resilience, one of the things that helps to make us resilient is confronting problems. Mm. Um, it's something that I think about with, I mean, with my children as a parent, but then also with some of the very, very early stage venture teams that I've worked with is where you can, you know, sometimes almost provide a safe space for them to fail. I would agree with that. And I think you have to create room for them to be able to fail, but, you know, at the same time, have the pathway back as they wander down the the, the, the failure 
they can still they still know they're attached back to the support mechanism that is you know the business the opportunity the the community the the club whatever it may be and i think that you're exactly right you know you you don't build resilience you don't understand what resilience is until you've been pummeled into into submission or you know beaten up badly and that's when you really discover what it's about how have you looked at and creating some of these these safe spaces in the past that do allow for failure um, but then still keep that that link and that road back yeah. that you mentioned. You've got to have faith to let let them go and and just let them go about their mission or the the job or the project or the the sale they're after. You've just got to have faith that they're going to go out and explore it their own way. And and then um, you know I think for me it's building that building the the position of trust, individual trust with with the people with anyone really. So they feel completely safe to come back and say, hey, Mike, this blew up in my face or, you know, I don't know what to do about this or could we get the team involved to discuss that? Um, and if, you, if you're worried about reprisals or if you're worried about looking like an idiot or, you know, embarrassment, um, you sort of don't do that. I think you sort of, the tendency is to hide in shame almost. Um, and and that's, the work, that's, a, that's a big problem. So I think for me personally, it's just about building that personal trust and, and empathy with each each individual that they know that if they need to go somewhere safe, they can, you know, no matter what the situation, they can come back. I, I don't believe you can just instill it. I think it's just a, it's just a result of consistent behaviour um, and it's you doing that those behaviours yourself. So, for example, I've got no problems in, in going to, to a team and saying, listen, I don't, I don't know what to do here. You know, I've been, um, you know, trying to talk to this C-suite person to get a big deal done or something. And I, I, and I just don't, I don't speak the language. I'm not qualified to, you know, speak in higher level financial terms or whatever it may be. And I think that's just a consistent behavior that if you're, if you're exhibiting that, people know that, okay, it's coming from, from, from the leader so to speak, then, you know, I feel totally cool that I can operate the same way. And I don't think it's a matter of like, you know, taking people on a, on a weekend getaway, you know, get to know each other camp and then this is how we're going to act and this is what we're going to do. You know, it's, it's a result of just seeing that behavior all the time. From that last comment, it sounds like a bit of vulnerability as well. And using that to kind of build that trust, you're, you're showing them also that you trust them that you maybe don't always have the answers and that you can be a little bit vulnerable um, on their side as well. Yeah, I mean, vulnerability, you know, is, is something that, look, as a male, I suppose, is, is something we don't like to think about or embrace or even talk about sometimes. But, you know, for me, vulnerability is, is a great, um, there's a great definition of it, which is the courage, having the courage to show up and be seen when we have no control over the outcome. You can relate to that. It doesn't really, I don't think it really matters, you know, where you are, what you are, how old you are, what kind of person you are. That's a great concept to really embrace. And um, I think if you show vulnerability, what you get back is trust and faith and, you know, great teamwork. I think that is a really excellent point. Having gone through, you know, two years now of lockdowns and open opening up and, you know, everything associated with COVID-19, which I'm sure people are, are tired of hearing about by now. Um, but it has brought to the forefront of the zeitgeist in particular, the concept of mental health um, and mental wellness and well-being. 
and vulnerability certainly is a, a gigantic piece of that, especially as leaders when we're trying to get a good read on how our teammates are doing. Yeah, uh, look, I mean, it's a big subject, isn't it? It's something that the whole world did not know. Well, let's just say the whole world did not know was coming. So no one was really prepared when it hit. As an entrepreneur, you're kind of used to flexible schedules, let's say. You're not always in the car at 6 a.m. on the way to the office. You're not always in a uniform going to do whatever you do. You're not, you know, you don't necessarily putting a suit and tie on or shaving or you know you're not doing those rigid things as an if you if you're a seasoned entrepreneur like like I am you're kind of used to things just coming out of left field and you, you can roll with the punches and you can do whatever it really hit me one day I was in the park exercising um near where I live running through the park to the beach and I saw this whole group of people standing there that were just sort of it was like a Tuesday morning at 10 a.m. And they were just standing there. They didn't really they looked like they didn't know what to do. So I went over and, and had a chat to them. I said, oh, what are you guys, what are you guys doing? And they, oh, you know, one was an accountant, one was a lawyer. There's a couple of um, teachers there. And I said, what would you, where would you normally be now? And, you know, obviously in the city, in the CBD, in the Skyrise, and, you know, at school teaching. And it just really struck me that you've had millions and millions of people waking up in the morning and they've lost their what you would call, you know, their normal structured habit of the day. Simple things like, you know, ironing, ironing your shirt or your, you know, steam cleaning your dress or whatever the night before. Getting prepared is what I'm trying to say, you know, in the normal ways you would. Just went out the window overnight. And I think what, 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 you, what I saw was just all of these people in the beginning completely lost. Didn't know how to, you know, didn't even have an office set up. People going out and sitting in their cars, getting on Zoom meetings so that the kids, they couldn't hear the kids screaming through the, you know, or, or the wife was, or the part, partner, sorry, was doing the same thing. And I mean, that's a massive sort of mindset shift to go through overnight for, for people en masse. And, and it took, I think, a lot of people the courage to be vulnerable and start talking about it. And, and hopefully we did that in time because who knows what the effects will be. Yeah, I think it also has felt to me that everything needs to be a lot more intentional. You know, we haven't had those moments passing in the hallway to ask a little about, you know, mm. about little Johnny and if he's gotten back to school and how things are going. That you need to be very conscious of making specific time for those conversations. Mm. Yeah, I, I was reading this um, stat a couple of months ago that there's a business that implemented this social recognition service. Um, and part of it was every week they had a two-hour non-work meeting, and um, it was work talk was banned. And um, they started to notice after several months that their productivity and their ability to win big contracts was going up. Then they started, you know, just track it track it backwards, and and it was really interesting how in in this environment that that's it's. it's as disconnected as we all are, it's forced us to be connected in another way. And I, I think that's a really interesting tactic. So I think between, let's say, at least at this point, this concept of you know vulnerability and being able to step out and take time and mm. that ultimately contributing to productivity, um, mm. how, how are you looking at validating through business metrics otherwise? Yeah, yeah. Look, I mean, it's like anything, whatever the indicators are in your business, um, for example, in the basketball team, um, it's pretty easy, right? It's We're either winning or we're losing. Um, in business, it's the same thing, but it's a different scorecard. 
You know, are you have if you've got clear definers in your projects that you're working on, are you ticking them off or are you exceeding them? If you're getting, if it's about sales mechanism, are the sales going up? Is the profitability increasing? Or you know, it's reasonably sim simple business metrics. Um, but I think that's that's the commercial side of the success. If the if the scores aren't on the board in that sense, then you should be looking at everything you're doing to see whether what's not working or what's not getting you there. But I I think that the way you would recognize, um, you know, someone said to me the other day, how do you build how do you build a winning culture? And I said, well, you, I don't believe you do, you know. And they were blown away. Well, you, what are you talking about? You own a basketball team, and you you know you're this crazy entrepreneur building all these businesses, whatever. Well, I mean. To me, you build the right culture, not a winning culture. And that is that the combination of, um, you know, people coming to work, getting, getting out of bed, knowing exactly what they're going to do and wanting to do what they're going to do. And that's not always easy to achieve. And that's why, you know, it's, it's hard being in business and, and there's lots of things to keep learning about. But I think from a simple commercial point of view, you know, if you strike the balance where you've where you create opportunity to be flexible, to get innovative ideas, to have creative ideas, uh, time to go and execute on those ideas and turn it into um, things in the business that matter from a commercial sense that makes money and delivers on shareholder you know, expectations and hopefully gets you personally in the business to where you want to be from a financial point of view, all of those things, then you know, they, if they're not lining up, then you make change you're building a culture with people that are essentially, you know, working with and for you. Um, on the other side of that, you're dealing with investors and, and board members. Do you feel like they're kind of seeing eye to eye on some of these, you know, same, uh, you know, concerns or, or thoughts? Um, is it a question of lining them up and just proving the, the business metrics or how, how are you approaching the board side of this? Yeah, look, I mean, I think it's a good question, right? Because typically in that scenario, um, it's all about the commercial realities, return on investment, meeting project deadlines, meeting KPIs. Uh, I think that, well, we've we've got a, a saying that we use a lot, which is people do business with people they like, right? And if you like someone, you tend to be more interested in, in the empathetic human side, whether you're an investor, hardcore investor or not. And... Um, I think for me, I'm only attracted to work with the people that are of the same mindset. So I don't, I suppose I, I pre-qualify in the sense of would they understand how do they deal with this kind of whole human side and show up as you are vulnerable, resilient side to, hey, listen, I invested $10 million and where's the outcome? Um, because at the very beginning, those rules of engagement were established naturally through them understanding me um, hearing anecdotes about, you know, my weekend or, you know, um, running on the beach in the morning in the rain with a dog or, you know, whatever it may be. It's not like it gets presented at some point. That's who I am as a person. So I don't hold those things back when I'm in meetings. If I'm first time I've met you, the first thing I want to know is, do I like you? Are you a good person? And can I get along with you? And, and it's not a question, right? It's just established by, by, um, by talking. And have you experienced, it's not rejection, but have, have you experienced some hesitation with some of the, let's say, investors or board members that you might meet and really themselves like kind of diving in and opening up to that? Yeah, oh, definitely, definitely. Because, I mean, 
you get the and and that's the same thing right you see people are attracted i think to to in this game people are attracted to speed success is attract, is attracted to speed so the the kind of the the vetting process or the courting process is is like dating you know on steroids um and it tends to happen very quickly because investors don't have time and entrepreneurs who are seeking capital don't have time to wait for the wrong investor to make their mind up so um i think pretty quickly i've found both investors or, or board members or potential partners to establish that style is not for me you know that that's fine i've got no problems with that because i wouldn't want to work with that person either and and the business would suffer so I think that where you, and that's, this is why it's hard, right? And this is why not every person who starts a business that has a good idea meets one investor and off they go to unicorn. It's so rare that that happens. Um, and, and when the magic strikes, that's when, you know, the fun starts. So how did you go through that kind of get to know you dating process in the context of a corporate venture. You're you're working on a venture essentially from scratch with, you know, a corporate partner here mm-hmm. um, who to a large extent plays, well, does play that investor and board role. You know, how did you go through that, you know, dating process uh, before choosing to dive in? It was really, really fun journey, actually. Um, I think from the very first conversation I had right through the the three or four meetings to to meeting the team that I'm working with now, it was instantly um, like alignment uh, is probably the best way to say it. And uh, there was no kind of, you know, preconceived misconceptions or whatever misconceptions about me versus them or us versus them. It was just like, hey, this is what we're going to talk about. You know, what do you think about this? Um, and that's kind of how it started, you know. Uh, and that theme of really treating each other with a lot of respect right from the start and valuing the input from everybody that's been on every, um, you know, Google Meet or Zoom or Teams or whatever online meeting has been very consistent all the way through. And for me, that's why, you know, the opportunity was extremely um, uh, exciting because I could just tell that straight away it was the right type of people to work with. Yeah, and I, I like that concept coming in, uh, respect for ideas. So that you know, vulnerability and trust then allows or, or builds the space for that respect for ideas. Mm. And ultimately, you know, with a lot of the teams I work with, we are building new ventures, and I am also trying to push further and further on the levers of creativity to assure that we're we're trying to build the best ventures, somewhat unique ventures. And sometimes those are built on the back of someone like Mike's crazy idea. And so part of the, the job is then to figure out how to bring those back into reality a little bit, um, but they are what provide that kernel. Um, mm-hmm. And ultimately, like you said, if you don't have vulnerability, if you don't have trust, if you don't respect the ideas, that kernel is going to go nowhere. Um, and it's gonna it's gonna get squashed before it can can sprout at all. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. You know, um, it's I'm kind of like in a very condensed and short space of time, um, you know, planting a crop and watering it and watching it grow, but very quickly. <laughs> um, you know, the story with bamboo, right? That you, you plant bamboo, and 
water it for five years and nothing happens and it all of a sudden it starts doubling in size. Um, and, and that's what this is like, but in a really short space of time. It is a progression, right? And it sort of comes with maturity. It comes with learning to understand who you are and, and knowing yourself. And um, when I was in my 20s, I worked in, in a big, big, larger corporate, a publicly listed business um, and had, you know, the typical old school 1970s, 1980s, 1990s bosses in suits with with numbers to meet um, and a board of directors to, to report to, and um, a, a lot of the values in the in the I was in the international department. A lot of the values were completely nothing to do with people or empathy or caring or you know showing up as yourself. It was it was deliver the results or be punished, and and you know it was like that's how the leaders of that business were taught in the 40s 50s and 60s and you know the the cycle of abuse let's say and i'm laughing when i say that we're um we're not broken right and then i think well, we all know that business has changed a lot in the last in two decades the last 20 years and it really shifted away from that and you know talk about people like simon sinek and brene brown and and, and people that have really really sort of exposed a whole different way of looking at achieving commercial success through this approach. Um, and, and I was in that environment where it was incredibly harsh. Uh, I didn't really like it, but I wanted to succeed because I don't did, just don't ever believe in giving up and unless it, you know, is the right thing to do. Um, and so, you know, you would, you would cop a lot of, I wouldn't say abuse, but a very, very hard time on a daily basis. I guess that's why, I got out of that because I could. I met a lot of really interesting people in that job all over the world, and um, the ones I really resonated with were the entrepreneurs who I'd meet in an airport, or you know, staying at the same hotel somewhere, or were a client and they had their own business, and I just got naturally drawn to that. You know, they were the ones in t-shirts, and I was the one in a suit, and I just thought that was cooler. What What do you think might be might be next? I mean, so there's the uh, that shift of um of corporate culture. And I, I think yeah. this concept of mental health that has come through COVID, um, I've definitely seen it really recognized even at a corporate level. There is always this sort of hard commercial fact that you need to make ta hit targets and make money. I just think it's the way we do it now is so different and needs to keep, keep, you know, keep going in the direction of all kind of an all must prosper mentality where you know it's a great african um there's a great african proverb around that where i think they call it gleaning where the crumbs from one success feed a family from that success and all the way down the line right so that as one family or one tribe succeed the others are lifted up as well um and i think that's kind of you know a really good philosophy to have that there was this lady, I forget the business she sold, but she made sure that every single person in her company left the business way, way wealthier in or as wealthy as her in proportion to when they came in as to when she sold and, and that business, she was explaining it one day on a podcast and was just talking about the phenomenal growth they had. And when pressed as to why she said, I gave everybody some ownership, every single person, whether it was the tiniest percent, I gave them ownership and I gave them the ability to change their own life. And so I think two do definitely match together. Um, it's just finding the right model or the right mechanism for your business or for your opportunity that you, 
that you know that you're running. I think rainmaking do that really well from the people I've met. Yeah, I, I think um, one thing that has been a big focus within rake making is culture, and you know lining up with a number of the things that we've we've talked about today. Um, so this concept of um, gleaning is that right? Yeah. Okay. So this this concept of gleaning, and I I like that, and it's it is very visual when you think about the context. Have you seen that play out, or have you kind of been able to foster that with some of the the ventures or organizations that you're working in? As I get a little bit older, um, you know, and 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 maturity keeps growing and all that stuff, you sort of can feel more comfortable at saying, "Hey, this is the way we're going. This is the way we're doing it," because I know I know this is right. I'm not gonna, you know, these are these are hard yeses, <laughs> you know, hard no hard no's that we don't go the other way. Now I'm gonna stand on my principles and do that this time. Not to say I didn't before, but I think you just build the knowledge that you know you can do it, and and that takes you know takes experience. I think. And it, it may be too early to uh, to tell with a particular venture that you're working on at the moment, but your corporate partner, are you getting buy-in to those ideas? Um, yeah. Look, I think yes. I'd say in principle we are, um, or, or or will. It's. But again, it has to it has to deliver the result that it needs to deliver, and it just needs to be if there's from from what I've seen so far that it doesn't really matter how I go about it as long as we go about it together and we achieve the right outcome. And that process is very open as we talk through it in in the alignment seeking. Um, and you know, if it wasn't, I probably wouldn't continue. Because um, there's no point this time in my life to, to you know, do something I don't want to do. When we're looking at corporate ventures, there's a specific reason why we're trying to work with corporates, mm. and it, it is that unfair advantage and you know influence in the market or whatever it happens to be. Have you found that gives a little bit of a different aspect to your interaction with the corporate partner? Yeah, I, I think there is. If you want these guys to this company to unlock some really good value, you know, just don't preempt every anything. Just think everything through. Listen carefully to what's going on in all conversations. Um and just don't rush, you know, like often when you're an entrepreneur and you're just out in that land, you just, everything's a, everything's a race. You're just rushing to build the thing, sell the thing, you know, network the thing. At the same time, you can have you know, incredible success if you strike it the right way. We'll be in a rush at some point, but right now it's just making sure that you give yourself that mental you know, space to slow down and think. Not that we want to go into all this sort of stuff, but Bob Proctor, he's the guy behind the secret, right? Very Napoleon Hill, very thinking, grow rich guy. And he's got this great saying. He says, sometimes you just need to calm down to speed up. Yeah, slow, slow is fast, right? So yeah, slow slow is is good and good is fast. Um, so it seems like like what you said with respect to being able to unlock some of these more uh, unfair advantages and, and corporate assets is really about the speed dating process that you mentioned and taking it a step further. So your, again, values with empathy and vulnerability, because really that's, that's kind of what you're asking for from the corporate partner as well. 
you know, if we, we think about it, it's, it's one step in the speed dating process to pay for the check, right? And just to, to offer up the money. But then when you're getting into these aspects of unfair advantage and unlocking other corporate assets, we're digging much deeper into, you know, what they have at home behind the doors. Um, and you are asking for a much more substantial relationship than just, you know, picking up the check after dinner. Yeah. So it, it seems like those, those aspects of empathy and vulnerability really feed into it as well. So that we are building this deeper layer of trust between, you know, yourself as the founder um, rainmaking ultimately as a, a partner, a little bit um, facilitating, but then really with the the corporate partner. Yeah, there no, no, yeah, definitely, yeah, yeah. Look, uh, the way I think about it, right, is if I'm if I can build a relationship with, say, a senior leader in that business in a region like APAC or you know the North Americas or wherever wherever it is. To the point where they've had a conversation, not maybe to this level, but they've had some kind of a conversation with me that they know who I am. For me, if they're thinking, if I become front of mind in an important conversation on the other side of the world, because I've got a business with them and that can open up opportunity for me, but it all comes back to, you know, months ago when we were in a meeting and I was asking them about, you know, how their weekend was and we were talking about their kids or their pets or their, you know, their whatever it is that's more personal and they could see that I'm a genuine person. I just think that that's a better way to go if I've got a quality business that they're in, that they're an investor in because the unfair advantage will come out in times that I've got when I'm not there and it'll be, hey, you need to talk to Mike and that's when you can unlock that and, um, and it's done in the right way. It's not done in a, you know, yeah, it's not just done in a commercially superfluous way. Hmm. And have there been any hay fever moments in kind of that discovery? <laughs> um, no, no. But I mean, the, the constantly checking in, checking on, validating, testing. Um, I mean, I think that's really good because uh, doing customer outreach in a way where you're not selling something is probably unique for me. Um, and it's been quite nice to say to people, hey, listen, I want to talk to you. I I promise this is not, I'm not even having got anything to sell you. You know, <laughs> I just want to talk to you because you're a, you're an industry leader. So let's have a chat. That, that's been quite refreshing. Um, and I think the guard comes down on the other side as well. And they, um, you know, can, you only need one or two nuggets of wisdom out of a half an hour conversation. It can, it can propel you down the chain a lot further. Yeah, it, it sounds to me if we, if we wrap back to one of the very first questions um, when we started this conversation about your leadership style. Um, I see your leadership style being a lot about modeling the type of behaviors that you want value, but that you would like the people within your team to exhibit and to, to value as well, and really being very authentic about them and who you are. So, you know, you've talked about growth, empathy, vulnerability, We've talked about openness, we've talked about trust, and we've talked about this concept of, you know, kind of modeling these things yourself and just being open and, and willing to discuss it. And for me, it all comes down to authenticity. I think from this conversation, what I would see is just you being a very authentic leader 
So very open about who you are from the start and then being authentic about it with, you know, whether it's potential investors, a corporate partner, or the the team that's, you know, ultimately going to be coming into the new venture that you're you're starting now. So I think that is a fantastic quality to have. And I certainly hope that um, we see more and more of that coming, not, e- not only into the venture world, but eventually into the corporate world as well. Yeah. And I think the, the authenticity also comes into, you know, the, the basis of why we do these things is because we're all trying to make money as well. So you've mentioned it a number of times, you know, we want to be open, we want to be caring, we want to be entrepreneurial, but, well, not, not but, and we are looking to make sure that the business is successful through those things, um, not at all in spite of them. So I think that's a very good thread that's come you know, consistently through the conversation is that it's, it's not a question of measuring b- particular metrics because we're looking at being more authentic and encouraging people to be able to step out a little bit and take care of themselves. It's that we're being intentional and assuring that we're doing these things from the human element because we believe that they are what is going to lead to the better business outcome as well. Excellent. Well, Mike, thank you very much. It has been a fantastic conversation and I've really enjoyed the time today. Um, I hope you enjoyed it as well. Yeah, thanks, man. It's um, it's about myself. I didn't know. So that's got to be a win. All right. Well, again, thank you very much. I hope our listeners have enjoyed it and come away with something as well. In particular, this concept of authenticity. Like I mentioned, I think Mike is embodying it very well in his work um, as a co-owner of a professional basketball team, his work in his community with his soccer community, um, as well as a founder and now working on a a new corporate venture. Um, And hopefully in the next episode, we can explore this concept of authenticity a little bit more. And with that, thank you very much for listening. Follow our podcast and stay up to date with the biggest challenges facing leaders today. This podcast series was launched in partnership with EDB's Corporate Venture Launchpad Program. The $10 million pilot program by EDB New Ventures aims to enable large established companies new to corporate venturing to launch a new venture in Singapore within six months. As an appointed studio of the program, we'd love to support you in your corporate venturing journey. For more information, visit launchpad.rainmaking.io.